It always starts like this, at half six in the morning, half an hour before the doors open at seven. There are other places that have a distinctive smell, like the smell of time itself, old caves and abandoned mines, the tidal wash of city rivers, and this place, an early house, the cobblestone in Smithfield. You open the door, you turn the alarm off, you get the ice and you get your float in the hotel and then you usually have a cup of tea before you open and then you open and you have no clue who's coming in. You know, it could be somebody you don't know or it could be somebody you do know. It all depends on the day. And most of the time there's no hassle, like, but if there's any hassle, just say no and they go away. Touch wood. <laughs> you get the guys out of the hostel or you get the feds, market people, or on a Friday and Saturday you usually get a young crowd in. They'll have been out all night at parties and that. But there's, there's usually no hassle from them, like. They want to just sit and have a few pints and then go. first time I ever drank it in here in this pub, I was only around 15 years of age. And I always came in with my grandmother. And she bought me a bottle of stout. And I drank the bottle of stout and I liked it. And she got me another one. But I do remember well of the shop and who drank in the shop and of the local women. And um, they used to come in to the snug. And out around the shop itself... There was an awful lot of dealers used to drink it in here, cattle dealers and horse dealers and etc. You still get that feeling of the past. And it always give you the nod of the head to welcome you with a smile. And that is a great thing to come into any public house to get. You won't get that any other place in Dublin. isn't uh, a nine-to-five job. Um, you would get a lot of people on shift work who would be finishing their day's work in the morning time. And that would be going for a drink after work. Um, a lot of shift people who get an odd hard case um, who would be in curing a hangover, uh, insomniacs, There'll be a very varied and wide selection of taxi drivers or uh, security men, uh, airport workers, factory workers. Um, the odd one going to work. Uh, the professions would be widely covered. You get fellas in suits, and we're now beside the courthouse. So you're getting the odd person heading to court, or 
coming from court when court, court is over. Um, generally a quiet sort of person. They're there for a drink and nothing else. To, their day's work is done, they want to read the newspaper and go home. In the morning time, like there's there's great comedy there by times and there's great uh, there's time for great conversations. There's uh, You can get to know a lot of people a lot easier in the morning time because it's never that busy that you can't stop and talk to somebody. You know, or somebody will tell a story or relate an incident. It's just, it's enjoyable conversing with people from that point of view. When it's busy then, maybe in the evening time, you don't get as much time to talk to people. An ideal pub would be one where there's no hassle, uh, which we don't have any of it anymore anyway. Uh, Good banter. And uh, there seems to be a, a good camaraderie there between most of the customers. And the fact that um, like the, the the markets area depended on both the Dublin person and the country person getting on and for their living and their livelihood. Uh, it just there's a tradition there of great tolerance among the different uh, backgrounds down through the years. Yeah. Uh. In the morning time, you're doing the early shifts. You get some nice blows coming in. You hear the life stories. They're telling you different things. And some Monday morning is the best morning when you see them coming in. They're getting a the point. You can hardly hold the point. They're shaking. Some of them do be. Some of them do be in an awful bad way trying to get a point into them. And then you hear people saying about what their stories about what's happening to them and all. The confession box walking behind the pub. It does be behind the bar. Yeah, I remember the first morning that I'm. Um I realised I was living above an early openers pub, one of them bars that opens at like 7 o'clock in the morning around the markets or near the docks in Dublin. Um, I got the flat upstairs and um, I came down one morning off to work at half past six. As I got to the uh, inside of the door, taking my keys out to open the door, I hear some voices outside in the street. I said to myself, God, they're up early. Well, I suppose, yeah, the markets are across the road. That's what it is. I opened the door and four men rush at me. Uh, suddenly I realised that there were customers trying to get into the pub. They thought I was the barman opening up a little bit early in the side door. Um, it took me a minute or two to convince them that I wasn't the barman and um, get the two of them that were in the hall behind me already out and lock the door and go away. But um, there's an awful thirst in people at 7 o'clock in the morning in Dublin. Small Monday morning sessions, that's it, and come in have a couple of drinks and should have been no work done that day and... Next while, the brothers would come in. They'd have a couple of drinks as well, and we'd all try and head off to work. And sure, you wouldn't end up leaving the place all day. It's just a, the crack. The atmosphere is completely different in the morning. You meet a different sort of clientele compared to nighttime. You know, I, I prefer the morning session. The morning session would be a lot better now. I, I'm at the building trade, and I'd like to get up early in the morning. And sure, I'd love to see the bad weather anyway first thing in the morning. I went down to Sammy's bar in the last boat, not leaving by the lake at Peter. 
in your hair Hey, the last boats are leaving Darling Johnny put it there All the the day Chase number one! Chase! Barrel Well, I'm the cellar man, and I had to keep the barrels in the proper place so the Guinness won't get mixed. In with Smithics and the Smithics would get mixed with Carrefour and the barman, the barman comes out to change and then you got to get the place clean and tidy at the same time. The person you get in the morning doesn't, doesn't be looking for trouble, they're more intent and and uh, just winding down uh, and going home. Uh, like everything else, you have had the odd bit down through the years. But the one thing that I'm reminded of is uh, a chap that came in one morning who he was a bit under the weather from drinking and he ended up putting him out the front door. About 20 minutes later, he came in the side door and we went to put him out again. And he... He says, uh, he says, do you own all the pubs around here? <laughs> uh, he had gone around the block and come in the other tower. <laughs> I think it was my first week, maybe the second week, Working in the bar, that was it. Tom, the owner, went off to the cash and carry. He says, You're all right here, he says. I'll be back in about an hour. Grand, only four or five at the counter, it was grand. Jimmy Mooney was down the end, at the window. Diesel Dan was nursing his points at the, at the, at the hatch down near the phone. Three o'clock, Joe. He was, he was, he was there as well. Yeah. And it was two other fellas sitting down at the end. That's right. 
there was another guy underneath the television and uh, all I heard was I served the guy a pint underneath the television. I kind of half knew him, like. And all he did was shout, Up! Up the IRA! Roar now! I said, oh no, God, what's this? So, 20 minutes or so passed, I suppose. And, uh, Next thing, I'm leaning there against the till. With my foot up against the, the sink. Relaxing, having a cup of tea, and... Next thing, the door opens, all quiet. I think... I can't remember your man's name, anyway. There's no point in telling you his name, anyway, because I can't remember. I looked at him... Walking the whole length of the counter with a sledgehammer over his shoulder. I'm there an hour. <laughs> Didn't know what to do. What first reactions as well as was I whatever way my foot was on the counter, I leapt over the counter as he was passing by on the other side of the the counter. Jumped on top of him. Down with the sledgehammer, down with the body and everything and his friend was kind of in front of him and they were going to... All I saw was mirrors and tables going to be smashed up with a sledgehammer. I didn't know what was going Down with the body anyway and I had it in my two hands and I just ran up to the other end of the bar in around the corner and threw it up the stairs. Ran behind the counter back down to the hatch, confronted the two of them, which were... One was still getting up. The other fellow was trying to help him up. He was trying to push them out the door. Where's... Where's my sledgehammer, says your man. I said, I don't know, it's out the door. Out the two of them went. And they were standing up out the door and I kind of calmed myself down and back in again and two of them arrived back in again and said, two points of Foster's. Foster's was on sale, actually. <laughs> I said, yeah, I am. Two, po- two points of... No way, you know. Out out to the hatch going to just usher them out this time oh we're not barred are we we're not barred these lambs are still roaring saying he threw the last he threw the last two of them left and they went back in made me cup of tea again and Jimmy Mooney up at the end of the counter up at the end of the counter there you'll be kept says Jimmy I started there in uh, 1987. Um, it was it was very uh, very derelict area um, and remained so for years and years. Uh, like in the last three years, there's marked changes with the old Richmond Hospital is now a huge apartment complex. North Brunswick Street is being developed. Red Cow Lane is, is going to have shops and apartments. More of the whole of Smithfield is just going to be a completely different place in another two or three years. It's here that the magnet is. It is here that I knew as a child, as a small boy, 
where all my mother's people drank a din in the shop for the past couple of hundred years as the commerce of Smithfield, which my mother was a commerce. The shop never lost its character in the regards of its structure. And when you come in to the Cobblestones pub, you will see the long counter, the winding counter, that matches the structure of North King Street, the architectural of North King Street, as the counter seemed to be designed, whoever who designed it, seemed to be designed to match the street. And the lovely wooden flower that's still in it. Now, I remember that flower when I was a youngster. Now, the long wooden seats that's in it, like church um, seats that you see, long wooden benches. And when you'd sit back from the counter to sit again the wall, we say, for instance, and seats along the wall, you were only about four foot from the counter. And that is a lovely thing to see and to still hold on to that tradition. And it is sad that the district has lost its great buildings. And it lost all the great tenement houses, the Cherry Steps, Queen Street, King Street, Smithfield, and on down through King Street. Red Cow Lane, the people lived in, there was tenement houses in Red Cow Lane, Brunderick Street. And you always noticed in the night time when you come in here that there were people out of the tenements when they'd have a couple of pounds, a couple of bob, I should say, and they'd come and they'd spend it in here in the shop because they liked the, uh, the atmosphere. They liked the welcome. They liked everything that there was about the shop. Indeed. But I've seen the surrounding area changing as well, sadly. There's a lot of little buildings that were on the, on the side here are gone, demolished, so the planners and uh, the developers are... are moving, you know, uncomfortably close and it's, it's not very nice to see the signs of so, uh, financial uh, pro, you know change at all it's, it's not really good for, for anything really, all these hotels and apartments going up in town it's, it's very alarming really, considering what's happening to other little nice little cosy pubs What makes a good pub? Well, my father, Bob Lee, worked in the trade all his life and he wrote about it many times he served his time back in the days when a barman had to serve an apprenticeship of three or four years. And good barmen really took sort of a pride in their job. Anyway, in one article I remember he wrote, of the world as a place where the Sermon on the Mount was a fairy tale and the pub was a, a refuge from all that happened beyond its doors. An egalitarian place where the drinker was accepted for what he was and not for what he did. Indeed, he believed that a drinker had to serve a period of initiation into any pub and that each pub had a, an individual atmosphere created by the management and the staff and, of course, the type of customers they attracted. Every aspect of life was reflected in a pub, discussed and dissected. The past interacted with the present, and it was in the nature of an Irish pub that the future was always viewed with foreboding. The past was always in bloom and the future in decay. That's how he wrote about it. In, his, in one of his plays, Built on Sand, he wrote about how greed was destroying the old-style pub and replacing them with what he called drink emporiums. You only have to look at what's happening in Temple Bar and places like that to understand what he meant. That's what has me in a place like the Cobblestone, I suppose. 
is a better man by far. In the last years, not leaving, cause he drives a Yankee car. I walked out from Sammy's bar in the last boat's leaving. Had to buy a Yankee Fourteen days I drank no wine In the last hours Saving for that love of mine All away the day Well, the music is uh, mainly at night time from about nine o'clock onwards. Um, music's gone very strong there in you know, this last three or three years, I'd say. But the pub had a tradition of music going back uh, like 25, 30 years ago. And uh, the old St. Mary's Music Club, uh, which was based in Church Street, it lost its premises and moved to a few places around Dorset Street, North Great George Street, and ended up there in Smithfield for several years. Uh, nowadays it's based in Hughes's pub down the markets. I think it's Monday or Tuesday night there. Uh, music is strong, it's very vibrant. Uh, serious but enjoyable and good quality stuff as well. This song is called Lone Shanna Kyle and Frank Hart very generously gave me the words and sang the song into a tape for me. So being from Clare and Shanna Kyle being in Clare just outside Kilrush I'll sing the song. Far, far from the isle of the holy and grand, where the wild oxen fatten and brave men are banned. Oh, and old in the far distant land, I wonder and pine for poor well, coming from County Clare and to come into a bar like this in Dublin, it's just, it really brings back so many memories, like to listen to the great music and, and song and even sometimes dance. Um, it's, it's just so, um, so welcoming and the music is just oozing out of the walls, I think, in the cobblestone. Um, 
the very first night I came in here, I just thought, God, this is the place to be, you know. I mean, I love the music, and um, I lived in New York for a while, and um, then even in Clare and Dublin, but um, just the cobblestone, I don't know, it's just a great place for the music, and and I think you savour it all the more for that reason, you know. And it attracts people like me who love, have a great passion for the Irish music and song and poetry and everything that goes with it. And, you know, each time I'm here, and I mean it from the heart, I just kind of feel, God, I'm so blessed, you know, to be, to be here and to be part of this for as long as it lasts. The music, obviously, is amazing. They're the, the, they're the best trad pub in Dublin here. They have Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday night, different traditional music, and all great. And I've met some of the best trad music players in the country here, and I've been honoured to be in the company of some of the most famous. It's a great, great place for music. because it was very like the Bailbucht where we played for a few years before that very homely coming from a pub background it's nice to get something like resembling your living room to play a few tunes in and the acoustics are nice all the wood and it's nice and old and we've seen a lot of changes in the people who, who have come in in the last few years and uh, they have a lot of respect for the music and uh, we enjoy playing here I mean it's the life force really isn't it and uh, you, you meet so many people through the music and everything else and uh, we have to um, do a lot of sifting as well because otherwise you'd have um, some people coming along and uh, not a lot of knowledge of music and they, they could kind of dominate so we try and not let not let anybody dominate and get give everybody a fair chance to play for tunes No, I have not chances at all. Oh, you have. No. 
Whatever, no. We'll play um, the Marines when they come to Ireland. The Boy in the Gap. Oh, yes, lovely. Yeah. Followed yeah. by the Dairy Maid. Right. And as Emmett says, followed by the Guards. I've, um, I play guitar and I've always had an interest in I've always had an interest in Irish music um, I used to play with the Cayley band a few years ago and I like I like the the, the old style of, of accompanying um, the uh, accompanying Irish tunes where the guitar is, is sort of blends in with the with the um, with the whole texture of it rather than than being being very loud um, the uh, what I like about it down here is that you can hear what you're playing because there's never even if the place is crowded there's enough respect for the music and for what's being played that everybody will listen. They're, they know their music. The you know the the people who who own the place, um, and it's great to have to be able to play somewhere where you can actually hear yourself play that you can hear the tunes and. No, it's great. I mean, when you're every week, it's different, you know. And uh, oh, I thoroughly enjoy it from a, from a, every point of view. Because as I say, you meet people, and there's the music is appreciated. I'm sure. I mean, what more could you ask for, you know?
This woman came in here one night. It was a party after a book launch, I think. Anyhow, she says to this fella, This is one of the best done-up pubs I've ever seen. I mean, for a theme pub, they've done a great job on it. It looks real. It looks like it was always here. And he says, It was. See those blood stains on the floor? Some of that's mine. Um, I live above the cobblestone here um, in what would have been the residence above the bar um, years ago. Um, I came to the place and it was quite derelict and um, started to do it up. I'm still doing it up a year and a half later. Um, it's a lovely space, lovely spot. But um, I remember when um, I came here that there were several, I suppose, tradesmen, uh, by all accounts, um, at the bar. And I was told, if you need a plumber, your man's a plumber, and if you need a carpenter, exit a carpenter, and why it be an electrician, don't worry, we've all the people you need down here to help you fix it up. But I got a plumber from the bar one day anyway, a pint to my to the, the wind, I suppose, and uh, he came up and he did a bit of work for me in the flat. He sorted out this uh, water supply system which we had, uh, which entailed connecting a huge 50-gallon water tank into the system upstairs, wondering why, he said, I wonder why it never was connected before. I found out on Sunday morning, a little while later, I woke up, drips coming from the ceiling, I thought there was a leak in the roof or something like that, there was a leak in the roof, the 50 gallon water tank was coming through the ceiling at me, it was an awful scarper altogether, we ran downstairs, grabbed the nearest person, we said, where do we get a prop or a macro or a bit of wood or something like that, to stop the tank coming through the roof, so we did, we managed to get a macro, and a couple of bits of wood and we went up and we moved the bed out. This tank was sitting directly above where my chest would have been. 50 gallons of water, I don't know what weight that is, but it'd be heavy enough, Nick, to probably stick me to the bed and the bed to the floor and the floor to the floor below it. Um, anyway, we got it sorted. We popped the tank up and uh, turned the water off and saved me life. But um, that's the story of the tradesmen in the, the bar down below. Please. Come on, lads, stop there, Kevin. Please finish up, please. Come on, lads, just finish your drink there, please. Great folks, move out, please. Two of the Invincibles belonged to this neighbourhood. Brady was one. Joe Brady that was born on North King Street. And there was another one of um, Invincibles as well was born just down off Barefoot Street uh, when the tenements was in Barefoot Street 
and two of them individuals was known to be in the shop and they were hanged to them in 1883 over the death of Cavendish and Brock in the Phoenix Park. My granny was a great old rebel as she was attached to the Fenian movement, my grandmother, and then she was attached to Diore. And this shop here, there was a many of revolvers and stuff that had short arms was brought into the shop and you see a couple of the women disappearing well I don't remember that but I was told about it that a couple of the women had disappeared my grandmother and a few more of them would disappear and there'd be some boys waiting on them and their short arms was handed over the revolvers and stuff would be handed over and when they do a job the revolvers was handed back quickly and my granny and those others it say oh Jesus mercy on them a lot of mercy on them on the black and tans who they hated and they were at the carrying the arms for to do the job and after they'd done the job the revolvers were brought back into the public house maybe and there we they'd have a drink have a few drinks and then they'd go on their way and maybe a sing song or that but I was often told that the black and tans many a time come into the shop and they put their head into the snug and when they see who was in the snug the women that in the snug off they go <coughs> well little did they know that the shop was notorious republican shop amongst them women and a lot of the men lads finish up please more lads after finish up please Behind the bar now, you know, like when the music is on, it's great, but I don't listen to the music, you don't get. Because in one, one ear and it goes out the other ear, you know, like just be packed on people asking for a drink. It's hard to get them out in the night time, it does be. It was torn at the start when I was down, you know, the hours were longer because I wasn't doing any of the early mornings because I didn't, I didn't got enough experience to do the early mornings. And then when I got the early shifts, you know, like you start at seven, you finish at half ten, you're back at three, and you finish at seven for the night. So it was a great break like that, but you're on the long ones, the day ones. You start at half ten and finish at three and you're back on at seven till two in the morning till half two. And some like some mornings that you're finishing at half two, you're back up the next morning at half six to open up. And you know, like you don't open up in the morning. There's be a lot of people around waiting to get in for the point at seven o'clock, ten past seven. You get a lot of security guards coming in, a lot of walkers finishing in the night time coming in looking for the point. Then it's back out onto the cobblestones of Smithfield, where there have been early licenses in operation since the 17th century, where people still talk of legends of underground caverns, of Billy the Bowl and Scald Brother, long gone, and the United Men of 98 who fled in disarray down through the cobbled lanes and back alleyways. Somewhere in the pub, there's a picture of Rory O'Connor addressing a crowd of men across the road before he led them on the four courts, an act that precipitated a civil war. And every night inside is a point in time, a point in that time. Then one day in Paul Square 
Johnny tried a hairpin bend Hey, the last boat's not leaving For my love it was I'm going back to Sammy's bar Hey, the last boat's not leaving I don't need that Yankee car